everyone, and welcome to the 24th episode of Slime Time, the official Dragon Quest Dragon's Den podcast. This is Platy M3. And this is Liam Land. So you might be wondering why Platy just said the 24th episode of Slime Time when this is the 23rd one we've actually published. Uh, so those of you listening soon after this release are probably puzzled by that. Um, and uh, and it, it, we have a, we do have a reason behind it. Yeah, it's partly my uh, dyscalculia. It made getting a math major a total bitch in college. <laughs> Don't you hate that when things go out of sequence, like Final Fantasy 2 is 4 and 3 is 6? Uh, but anyway, we did record a 23rd episode um, in August, but it actually did require some extra editing. Yeah, way too many swear words. Yeah. Probably dropped a lot of F-bombs on that one, so it required a complete retooling. Uh, so anyway, while that one's being processed, we hope uh, to have that one out to you very soon. We, we just wanted to keep the production rolling with our next episode. Yeah, see, episode 23 actually tested positive for COVID. Totally shut down the production <laughs> for two weeks or more. Is that, is that a Batman reference? <laughs> I think it's a Twilight reference. Oh, yeah, he just revealed <laughs> we had Robert Pattinson on the, pod, on the podcast last week. <laughs> And, you know, his, his whole va- being a vampire and everything. And now the FBI is totally giving us a runaround, censoring uh, what we can share with you at this time. So it wasn't Robert Pattison. I can't exactly say who we had on, but let's just say it rhymes with ninth silver purple dangerous wolf. If you know what I mean. Wink, wink. Uh, I rarely do. <laughs> uh, well, we do have episode 23 coming soon, but for now, let's keep it rolling with episode 24. Yes, and joining us tonight, we have a Dragon's Den regular and a YouTuber and Dragon Quest VI Let's Play Let's Player, uh, whose name rhymes with free phone or play tester. Please welcome Fiona Dayquester to the party. Hi. guys doing great welcome to the podcast thank you happy to be here happy to have you welcome fiona day we're looking forward to this episode's discussion so full disclosure this is a pretty divisive game we're about to get into platy and i have both divided opinions about it uh so we're going to (laughs) be thoroughly discussing the good the bad and the ugly on this one may have to take a couple extra weeks to edit the f-bombs out of this one But before we do that, I think we'll keep it clean here and get to know our guest. So, uh, Fiona Day, how did you come up with your username? Because I'm a gigantic nerd, that's how. (laughs) (laughs) It was just some Diablo 2 novelization I read where, like, the main hero was Arxor Dayquester and his father was Fiona Dayquester. And, you know, little kid me, I just thought... Ooh, syllables. That's going to be my username for the rest of my life. And so it stuck. Nice. Uh, as is one to happen. <laughs> so, so how did you originally get into the series? Um, my very first one, I think, was Dragon Quest Three for the Game Boy Color. You know, when you're little, you go to the casino, win like a million coins, and then lose every single one of them but through <laughs> random encounters and you don't learn anything um and then there's dragon warrior monsters which i just played the heck out of back in the day that's my introduction and ever since i kept learning as i get older there was just more and more that dragon quest offered in its boss fights and everything that most rpgs didn't even dream of i know like being young and playing through that uh 
was it eight different metamorphosizing of the boss in Dragon Quest Four? That was always cool. Yeah, Zara. And, and plus, like they put so much thought into things like uh, fixed attack patterns, semi-fixed attack patterns, or bosses just have like two different sets of scripts they can do. Like, kind of hard to explain without going into detail, but trust me, the designers put a lot of thought into their boss fights. They really did. That's something I really liked on your YouTube video, um, where you would have that on the screen where you were fighting the bosses in Dragon Quest VI. You'd have the patterns listed up there that what was going to happen or what was happening with this boss at the time. That was really cool. Thank you. You did actually talk about uh, as well um, uh, how the, the, the bosses attack one character or they choose someone to kind of wail on. Yeah. Um, that, for example, is second test. Um, especially as in the SNES version. Um, he just chooses a guy with the lowest HP and just hits them over and over. <laughs> kind of a jerk move, but yeah. okay. <laughs> old school. Nice. Kick him in the nuts, man. <laughs> Kick him while they're down. Although that got really annoying when you were going through Murdoch's castle and you found some more of those orange sword and shield guys. They did the exact same thing. And it was right before Murdoch. Yeah, not not a good lead up to a uh, harder fight. No, they took that out in the DS version, though, so they had some mercy. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, what were some of your favorite games throughout the Dragon Quest series? What? You started with, you know, obviously the um, Game Boy Color, but what what have you gone back to? What since you probably played almost all of them at this point? What are your favorite games like mainline spinoff? What do you love? <sighs> That's really hard to say because I like them in different ways. So I'll say which one has my favorite witch. Um, okay. <laughs> Dragon Quest Four, I think, is the best designed. Well, the remakes, the NES version, you have that whole can't control your party thing, which I'm sorry, but that kind of stinks. Um, <laughs> but like the remakes of Dragon Quest Four is probably the best, just from a practical viewpoint. Like, if I was writing a paper on which was better, I would probably say that one. Dragon Quest Five has the best story, I would say. Dragon Quest Eight probably best presentation with the voice acting and gorgeous 3d world and all that dragon quest 6 is the one i actually love the most because it has flaws but they're flaws i've worked around and the things i love about it i really love about it so especially the boss fights those are awesome Nice. Awesome. Um, do you have any favorite uh, spin-off games from the series? Oh, favorite spin-offs. You know, I haven't played a lot of them, but the one I have the most nostalgia for is Dragon Warrior Monsters. Like that was the very first one and I think that was a lot of people's first, right? Ah, uh, I mean I've I've started back on the NES days with Dragon Warrior one, so <laughs> yeah, same here. I mean, oh. people have different entries into into the series. Um, I mean, there's even new people uh, coming in from uh, the from the Smash uh, uh, reveal of Hero and Smash, who are playing like Eleven and or some of the earlier games for the first time. Um, so yeah, it depends on like when you come to the series. But uh, yeah, Dragon Warrior Monsters is definitely a good uh, a good intro to like the spin-off series yeah. i know uh our, our frequent guest uh yangus I, that's where he came in around the game boy color time it's a lot of also age you know mm. us us people in our 40s <laughs> we remember the nes games the late I 20s like, 
early 30s people are like, oh, yeah, Game Boy, that's when we started playing. Yeah, I feel like the Monsters games would be really rewarding if you know some of the monsters already, though, because then you you have that kind of nostalgia tie-in with, like, the mainline series as well. But it's there's also a lot of really cool, like, breeding stuff that you can do um, in combinations. I... I would find it impossible to play without a guide <laughs> because I was constantly looking on game facts. I actually beat, I, I played monsters a bunch of times, but never actually beaten it until uh, January this year. Um, and like where I just sat down and just plowed through it. And uh, I, I was stuck to that game facts guide, that monster guide. I don't remember which one it is now, but it was like a, a really thorough breeding guide um, that, that just basically tells you everything about the paths you need to get to like, uh, different monsters and i got my uh i got my dragon lord monster and i fought dragon lord with the dragon lord which i thought was pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> like the, their the version that you fight of dragon lord is like way bigger than your version <laughs> did you nature did you versus ever... nurture you yeah it was like it was like fighting dragon lord's father with his like child <laughs> that's still not as much of a mind screw as marrying wadabo with uh mortimer <laughs> what do you breed from that? <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, it's a giant muscle man with a with an eight pack or something. <laughs> oh, really? One of the bull the bullhead helmet guys, the the toughies. Yeah. For uh, those I... who don't know what we're talking about, uh, you beat you breed Dark Dream from Mortimer Three and Wadabo. So, oh, gotcha. oh, I don't know how that worked, but apparently you do. Hey, yeah, speaking it... of Dragon Warrior monsters. Um, isn't it interesting how a lot of Dragon Quest VI characters actually show up in the Monsters series as well? Like, when I first played Dragon Quest VI, like, one of my first thoughts was, oh, so that's what the whole jerkish swordsman looking for the ultimate sword <laughs> bit was about. <laughs> the missing sister... It all makes sense now. Yeah. Well, it came out of... Uh, it was essentially a prequel to dragon quest six exactly um it came out two years uh two three years after i think three three years after i think uh the super famicom version of six was 1995 i want to say and monsters was 98 yeah that mm -hmm. sounds about right and then they went away from a little bit um with monsters two because there was a big gap between six and seven but then monsters three turned right around and uh had a uh, kiefer from seven leading your caravan yeah, they did have that, huh? Mm -hmm. Little young Kiefer. Um, so we were and, talking about monsters uh, and characters before. Do you have any favorite uh, monsters or specifically characters? Uh, hold on a minute. <laughs> Let me get my Rolodex out. <laughs> this is... <sighs> I need to change that ringtone. Anyways, I would say that my favorite character is probably the uh, man at arms. You know, the one that you fight when you, in the burning village with like the four swords and everything. Oh yeah, the okay. skeleton with all the arms. Yep. Like that guy is so intimidating. Like, like I'm used to Akira drawing human characters and like people are always joking about how he knows like four faces, four hairstyles and all <laughs> that. <laughs> you dig into his monster designs though and that guy can design a monster. I'll tell you what. Um, how about favorite character? Favorite character? Um... Hmm. 
I think Millie is actually pretty memorable um, uh, for a lot of different reasons. Um, her backstory, as much as I didn't like it, uh, her party chat dialogue, where she's sort of this uh, gentle spirit, but has a really large sarcastic streak if you look at look in the right places and a lot of this is probably localization but like a lot of the characters have really cute and clever lines too um probably my favorite though is yangus or carver just the lovable oaf types i just find so endearing Hmm. sorry if that didn't make a lot of sense no that makes sense yeah so um out of the dragon quest games what are the and we're talking about a game that has like all these mechanics in it this time um what are some of your favorite mechanics in dragon quest games whether it be monster collecting job classes casinos what do you really Um, love when with within without a shadow of a doubt the uh, auto-battling thing, where you can choose whether to control them manually or whether you can choose to put them on an AI setting. And then you fool around with it, and it turns out that the AI setting is, like, precognitive in some ways, where, like, someone will be at full HP when they get hit, and then... During that same round, the the AI guy will heal them, and I'm like, that's great, thank you. Yeah, that's definitely a step forward from the old days where if uh, if two characters are attacking one monster and the first kills it, the other one just attacks air mm-hmm. <laughs> instead. I that yeah, that basically all the NES games, and then at oh, some point, and yeah. some I forget which game they did this, but at some point they they actually wised up and just had him attack a random other monster my most irritating point on that is that the dragon warrior 4 party actually could be smart if like 20 rounds passed in the battle Christo would finally stop casting beat (laughs) and i was just like why can't they just be smart to start with that's probably because after 20 rounds he was out of mp yeah. Couldn't you change the tactics, though, so he was more healer-focused and less thwacky? You could. I never had a problem with him. I said this on a... I think I told Westy this. I know I told Phil this. I never really had a problem with the AI back in the day. Maybe because I... Well, I did know other systems, because 1 through 3 didn't have that that way. But it, it was mildly annoying, but I, I... Gosh, I played through it three, four times on my NES, and I never had a problem with Christo. He was always my favorite, because... Yeah, I, I had him set as healer. Maybe that's why, because I like he was the dedicated healer. Well, if any of you guys out there ever do have trouble with the AI settings, remember, cast Iron Eyes four times, and it'll be good. They'll suddenly be smart. <laughs> Iron Eyes four times, but then you have to wait for it to wear off. Isn't that like like There's 16, your 20 rounds. 16, oh, that's it. Yeah. Well, it it cures the AI problem. Yeah. There's actually a a kind of weird glitch, but it's in the Famicom version only of of Dragon Warrior 4, where if you just, I think if you try to run from battle something like eight times, then all of your, all of your, uh, you know, you you do it against the boss, all of your um, attacks then become critical hits. But you'd have to do that. Like if you were in a fight with doing that against like, sorrow you'd basically have to survive for like eight rounds of running away and failing yep that's the truth 
And I think there was another one involving uh, casino coins or something like that. They have separate speedrun categories just for the Japanese version. Hmm. Well, uh, so what was it specifically about Dragon Quest VI that inspired you to do a, a Let's Play video series? Um, well, mainly, for one thing, it was one of the harder Dragon Quest games in the series. Like, there are some beginner traps with, like, say... Um, say the class system where you could choose to do a sage, which is your typical magic class, or you could do an armamentalist, which was basically still a sage, but worse, except it has oomph near the start, but worse in every other way. Or you could choose a gladiator, or you could choose ranger, and it turns out ranger isn't particularly good either um and and you also have the tough bosses that go with those uh, attack patterns which i loved talking about i could go on for ages so writing a walkthrough and guiding a beginner through those complicated steps was an interesting process i got a lot of satisfaction from it and if nothing else there was a heck of a lot to talk about, even when it was bad. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I really I really did like this game a lot. Um, I played it for the first time in college uh, on an emulator. And this was basically because I heard that uh, Dragon Warrior 7 was going to be coming out. And I was like, oh, I, ca I can't I can't not play five and six, especially when I found out there were fan translations. So um, I basically learned about emulation because of Dragon Quest five and six. <laughs> Um, so, and then, and started playing these fan translations and, um, you know, five, five was great, but I, there was something about six's design and, and music and everything that really spoke to me. So I ended up liking this one a lot. It's interesting. Um, yeah. No, go ahead. It's interesting. You mentioned the score cause that was one of the other things that was odd about Dragon Quest six. Like if you listen to the SNES version, the music is very different from how it normally sounds. Like there's a lot of synthetic instruments. There's a lot of metallic stuff, like in the tower themes where it sounds like a, like a hammer is hitting an iron. Like there's the underwater theme. Mm -hmm. It's very different. And the remakes kind of streamlined those compositions with uh you know what i mean like they have know, the same instruments know, for the remakes I, for four and six right yeah i know i know what you mean there's a, a lot of uh, a lot of folks would actually uh argue that there's a, a certain quality uh superiority in the super famicom version than in the ds and mobile remakes and uh and i believe it if you listen to the ost um there's just something about that quality that's more that i find more endearing yeah and it There's doesn't even necessarily game? need to yeah, be called yeah. superior like you could yeah. just call it different you right. know what i mean yeah 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 i like more it. Uh, not, maybe not superior but just more enjoyable yeah. um yeah and platy i heard your comment <laughs> platy, <laughs> platy plays all the dq games with the sound off so he doesn't he's never actually heard the music before <laughs> He, what? <laughs> I, I play 90% of my games on mute. I, it, it, what's funny is I go to play, uh, I, I review games at rpgamer.com too, and I really have to make an effort to turn the volume on to like, I'm like, oh crap, I got to comment on the music in this one. Um, I was playing Cthulhu Saves Christmas for review in December before it came out, and I like had my whole review ready to go, and I was like, oh my god, I didn't like I played the entire game on mute, so I had to quickly go on Steam, and I, I think I paid like a dollar ninety nine or something 
for the or I think they made, they had it on Steam, but somebody had uploaded to YouTube. So we were driving back from my parents' house on Christmas Day, and I just like streamed the entire <laughs> um, soundtrack so I could hear it all, and it was excellent. I'm like, oh man, I should have actually played that music well i was playing it oops but no I, I play almost all my video games at night and i'm like laying in bed my wife's asleep and yeah. i could put on headphones and i just i'm too lazy at night <laughs> <laughs> yeah and plus like sometimes you're playing on the train or mm-hmm. you're trying to do something else and yeah, or maybe would... you just want to conserve battery right i would just put headphones on except for know. you know if it's if it's a game like all right I'll, I, there's if it's a game that's heavily grindy like like this one but i would still enjoy the music in the beginning and then maybe turn it off later on like uh, like you've heard that yeah. battle theme 10 hundred times yeah know? all right dragon warrior 7 <laughs> dragon warrior 7 i grinded monster hearts to get the platinum king jewel monster heart for for mm-hmm. uh, gabo and i spent so much time in that in that game trying to get all of the necessary monster arts and the drops the drop rates were so horrible in that game that oh, gosh. that eventually i just you know i had a traumatic experience with that battle music every time i hear it it just takes me back to like the grind <laughs> too much grind <laughs> and uh so yeah so that's that's a game that um when i was playing the remake i i think i turned the music off on for pretty well, i remember when dragon quest 11 first came out my ps4 is in the bedroom hooked up to the TV on our bedroom wall. Well, I mean, I'm, I need to play 100 hours of this game. So, you know, my wife's piecing out at around 10 o'clock every night. I'm laying in bed from like 9 to midnight playing every night. And I'm like, you know, this is a new Dragon Quest game. I, I really want to like listen to the music. And I remember like commenting on the den like, hey, does anybody know like Bluetooth headsets? I can run with my PS4 because it's on the TV, but I can't I can't play the music at night. And I think it was about two days before someone was finally like, you do know there's a headset jack right in the bottom of the uh, PS4 controller you're holding in your hand. <laughs> I do remember someone coming. I had that. no idea. I'd had a PS4 for two, three years. Never knew there was that headphone jack right there. <laughs> I've actually never used that, though. I, I should I should give that a shot. I mean, it couldn't have been more convenient. <laughs> right. But Oops. All right. Well, let's actually talk about Dragon Quest VI, <laughs> the main I game of focus. Good idea. So uh, you start out just to um, just to paraphrase the entire game in in a couple of minutes or so. Uh, you start out as a lone blue-haired hero who, in retrospect, looks um, kind of similar to uh, Eric from Dragon Quest XI. Um, you're in a town, and eventually you meet up with a friend uh, later on uh, named Carver or Hassan in the original. Um, he's a uh, carpenter, and uh, you find out that the world is not what it seems, and it's actually a dream world. And throughout the game, you find dream versions of your party and reunite them with their real-world selves to um, solidify uh, their soul and their body together. Uh, you build classes and abilities that this game introduces uh, um, the abilities um attack patterns which is great uh you tackle a boss named mudo or murda only to find out there's an even bigger boss named death Tamor or mortimer uh the, the game harry gets... potter villain yeah <laughs> the game gets non-linear there's uh, a boat that eventually goes underwater you get a wagon a flying bed a little homage to little nemo there uh a flying carpet and pegasus uh there's quite a few means of conveyance in this one um, there's an optional party member who can incredible Hulk into the Scrimsley Terror, a purple version of the Drackle. Uh, you take Woo-hoo! down. 
<laughs> That's Platy's favorite character, Amos. Um, you take down a Nadirian cult, uh, meet an arrogant swordsman who eventually joins you at a much weaker as a much weaker character that you uh, than when you actually have to fight him, which is typical. And uh, eventually, you take down the big bad final boss with a very satisfying bonus dungeon ending, which I don't know if everyone got to because. There were mixed reviews on this game, but I will say that that bonus dungeon ending is fantastic um, and probably one of Dragon Quest's uh, greatest uh, bonus dungeon endings. So it's definitely worth the grind on that one. Definitely worth playing through um, to take down the bonus dungeon boss. Okay, getting into on an emulator, fast forwarding. <laughs> yeah. However you do it, however you do it, it's it's uh, it's amazing bonus ending. Um, Okay, so getting to the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good on this one, um, it definitely had eclectic character designs. Um, the recurring themes in music in the music make it a little bit more cin- uh, cinematic, uh, in my opinion. Um, I mentioned the satisfying alternative ending. ending. Uh, Heartbeat brought a much-needed design upgrade um, for the original SFC release uh, of this game. Um, it, it was an upgrade from... Uh, the Dragon Quest V graphics, which kind of held an homage to the NES class, the classic NES days. Um, Platy, what do what do you what do you got for the good? Amos. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I'll sum it up in one word: Amos. Four letters: A M O S. The optional yep. party member is your favorite. The optional party member. <laughs> that the second I get him, he goes in the first place in my party, and he is my hero the whole rest of the game. Even in the Super Nintendo version? Even in the Super Nintendo version. Gosh, it was really hard to find. I I do perler bead sprites of all these guys. I think in the Super Nintendo version, he's just a random NPC sprite, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's a random soldier, yeah. So they don't even give him a unique sprite. Doesn't have a unique sprite, so yeah, that was interesting. Now, luckily, the... um, what is it? The DS remake sprites are perfectly sized for a 29 by 29 grid, which Perler Beads standard come with. So I was able to do all the uh, all the sprites from this DS version instead. So I got a I got a decent Amos there. Indeed. They also changed his face portrait for some reason between the DS and mobile versions. Did you know that? I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. How did it change? Um. Well, in the DS version, like he has this big wide beaming smile and like he's raising his arms above his head and he just looks like the happiest go lucky guy ever mobile version almost looks like a super villain or something like that like he's got this smirk and his eyes are just going to the and a downward slant to the mm-hmm. lower right and maybe he's about to monster out <laughs> maybe he's about to release his incredible hulk oh that is not <laughs> what he looks like in the in the mobile version oh for those of you uh obviously not viewing this at home i was looking up amos today and i i think it was because i wrote love amos in the google search i got oh. somebody's uh deviant art page and Oh, no. He, he's totally modeling oh, no. out, and his okay. hand's like halfway down his pants. Oh, wow, that is supposed to be Amos. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that's like a see-through yes, sleeve, he's got, sleeveless he's tee got with abs. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, yeah, it's less I, revealing than some of the bosses you actually fight, like <laughs> Duran. Like, yeah, I was going to say Nocturnus, the yeah, same sprite. <laughs> Which is oh, yeah, hilarious in Dragon Quest Nine when you fight Nocturnus, like all of the basic sword attacks hit him straight in the crotch and he still stands. <laughs> that's that's also what adds to the fact that he's one of the strongest Dragon Quest bosses <laughs> of all time. 
<laughs> oh, I just it cracks me up every time we talk about stuff like that. I think about um, what is it? The oh, Puff Puff Hour when they review when they talked uh, Dragon Quest Four. They went on and on and on about Sorrow's codpiece. <laughs> It just appears during his transformation. Right. I was like, what the heck? Now I can't unsee it, ever. But, like, that was something like... I got to work that day after listening to that episode in the car. I'm like, what are they talking about? What the hell? Like, Google the image. I'm like, yeah, I can see where that could have been that. <laughs> All right. So, so Clyde, what else? Did, oh. did, did you have anything else uh, that you loved uh, about Dragon Quest Six? The good? I, you know, I, I, I did like this game because it's Dragon Quest. I, I mean, I joke all the time that it's not my favorite Dragon Quest, but, you know, not my favorite Dragon Quest is like, hey, you know what, that's not my favorite ice cream. At the end of the day, it's still freaking ice cream, you know? It's good. Um, and I've played through this game. I played through the Super Nintendo. I played through the uh, DS. I might have even done that one twice. Um, and then I bought it on iOS, played through it. Um, I was telling my son that we were going to record an episode about this tonight. And he said, Daddy, I don't... And he knows the art book pretty well. And he's like, which one was that? And I said, the blue spiky-haired hero. And he said, oh, yeah. He goes, I don't really remember much about that. And I'm like, well, dude, the last time I played it, you were like one and a half. Or <laughs> maybe just going on two. It, was, it came out in that summer, and his birthday is in August. And I just remember playing it quite a bit that summer. Um... And actually, I won a contest through the Square Enix Twitter account and got a free copy of it. Like six weeks after it had already come out, I'm like, well, I already got it. So they were really nice and gave me a $25 iTunes gift card instead Dang, that they had sitting around. I'm like, well, that's worth more than the game was. For the for the DS version, I actually went because th this had very very similar to uh, I think four and five for the DS had a had a um, had a connection between where you could share character dream, like characters either in an immigrant town in this case it was like dream characters in a, a dream town. Oh yeah, I never did anything with the dream so, town. So they I I had uh, you know I, I went to one of the launch events at Best Buy in Danbury, Connecticut, and I was like. What are the only people to show up? <laughs> this, this is not, what? No way! This, this is not a, a, a very publicized uh, game. The DS rela release, um, it went four, five, nine, six. Mm. So they, so they, they introduced um, nine, which is a big step up from a design standpoint. Um, and then they went back to six, and I, which I thought was. I thought I thought it hurt Six's sales a little bit um, to do it that way, um, but yeah. So there, I was there with a Nintendo representative who took my photo, holding a Dragon Quest Six poster, um, and it was just me. I didn't have anyone to uh, to trade dreams with. <laughs> so eventually, um, I'm still playing the DS version, and uh, and I decided I'm gonna like you know I, I used to using the uh, save editor for Dragon Quest Nine, And I found out that there was a kind of like wonky save editor for Dragon Quest Six as well. So I decided to kind of investigate that. Really pretty buggy um, and uh, didn't work very well and actually bugged up my game trying to add dreams 
to it. Or <laughs> basically, uh, I mail and swapped with uh, Ignatia Seven. He sent me his game, and I tried to copy his dream character from his game to my game. Um, and uh, and then I just basically like broke the whole system, and I couldn't tag anymore. <laughs> so that, that I, I ended up getting kind of like bummed out about that. Sent him his game back, and then just like never never finished playing the D. The, the I, f- I felt like I was going to start over at one point, but I never actually finished the DS version because of that. Um, mm. but that's that's me that's my <laughs> that's i just got to get back to it at some point but uh but yeah they they had to swap that out uh for the mobile re- release right like they uh, did they probably just uh replaced it with something else or they just cut it entirely um i'm not really sure about that the only thing i know is that they rearranged the location of a few dreamscapes like i think Mm -hmm. there's two in zenithia that they took out of the ds version um but you actually get solid physical rewards for turning some dreamscapes into the dreams year i think it was the fortune hut you like get six dreamscapes will get you a new party a monster guy cure slime and 16 will get you a metal babble yeah that's what that's that's what i was thinking yeah i think i think getting all the way up and that's why i was trying to to rig it <laughs> that's why i was trying to hack it in, in into the game was that i could get a metal babble like super early on mm. um Instead of uh, instead of beating Nocturnus, I think is the other way to get it. Is that is that right? At which point it's like pointless to even have worked that hard because there's nothing well, left to do. Well, you get you, know, it's, you get the scroll. Yeah, you do get a you get a metal babble scroll. Yeah, from it's the in bonus the... boss. Right from the bonus boss, but then what else is there to do after you beat the bonus boss? It's like getting the best sword in the game after you've hundred percented it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wait a minute. So wait, what? Was it from the bonus boss that you got the scroll? I thought well, you, you get one scroll after once you start the post game and correct. The, uh, yeah, you get one because there's the that um, there's a little montage when you beat the game, and in the montage, it just kind of sweeps through one of the um, caves that you're in. And you see a shining area. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. And if you go to that shining area, you get the scroll to be the uh, Metal Babble. Yeah, just don't use it on uh, Barbara or Ashlyn. Yeah, use it on Carver. You do that, <laughs> and he has forbearance, and you can just, like, negate most of the bonus boss's attacks. But you have to master nice. it first. Oh, really? It takes, I... like, 300 battles. Yeah, I ended up using it on Terry. So I could have two Medante or magic bursts with those two characters, Barbara, Barbara, who who learns it innately. And then Terry, who, uh, well, I guess whoever. But uh, could you could you get if you just keep beating Nocturnus, could you get more of them? If you wanted to. Oh, yeah. But again, then there wouldn't the only thing it would do is make that fight easier. I mean, Terry did it. Like, you saw him walk into Nocturnus's dungeon in the postgame credits. Oh, do you remember? I don't remember that, no. Okay, so um, the credit roll is the same between the regular ending and the bonus ending. Um, It's some beginning scenes that are changed, and it is very satisfying, as they mentioned earlier. But, like, Mm -hmm. during the credit rolls, it's mostly the same, except for the Terry scene, where instead of the cave, he's walking up to Nocturnus's altar. Hmm. Oh, oh, he's like soloing Nocturnus? That, or he's giving up his soul to become a Stark or something, because, you know, swordsman, lust for power and all that. Mm-hmm. Of course, he's still there when Zenithia rises up with uh, Millie, the fortune teller and all, so kind of puts a kibosh in that theory, but... 
another day. <laughs> um, well, also in the good for this game is the uh, the slime arena. That was a lot of fun. Ooh, that yeah. was. Yeah, yeah, I liked having like the the entrance door. You just put a slime in front of your party, and you walk in, and and uh, like the, the human little, uh, the human would just like, smack into the wall, and the slime can go straight through. <laughs> it's like a slime sized uh, mouse hole. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, that was that was really cool, and um, it was uh, it was a lot of fun just building up your slime to be able to take down like all these advanced uh, slimes. I thought that was a lot of fun. You know, I forgot to say earlier. You know, saying that I liked it, it was Dragon Quest. I I think one of the biggest things that pulls at me about this game is it has, like, everything that I like about the series in it. It's got the monster recruitment, although they kind of nerfed that for the uh, DS remake compared to It wasn't that good in the Super Nintendo anyway. No, it really wasn't. I mean, I guess nerfed it as much. They just went with all slimes in the DS version, right? Yeah. Whereas there was some other monsters in the uh super nintendo one uh, not that it, it was definitely not like dragon quest 5 where you felt that and you had to have those monsters i might at certain accidentally times. drop um for a bit sorry guys all right well if you need to that's all right <laughs> um but i it, i love job classes they were in this game um i love areas to explore the fact that there's the two worlds we kind of mentioned when you were given the summary of the dream and i like that you could go underwater on one of the worlds so basically the the entire map was open not that there was a whole lot to do underwater but literally you could go everywhere yeah i mean you went everywhere like land sea and air in that game Mm -hmm. um and yeah the the underwater ship was uh was was thoroughly entertaining because you're basically just looking at a negative of the map and anywhere yeah you couldn't walk before because there were water and now it's just reversed um the other thing that i really did like about like the good of this game is just the the introduction of the rest spell um and the rest spell um essentially just puts your your character that you cast it on to sleep um so he can walk around and now uh regain I think it's step per step you get one uh, HP and one MP back. Um, but as the random battles happen, when you start the battle, then your character is asleep. So you don't want to cast on your whole party at once. But if you have, let's say, one or two magic users that you're trying to get um, their MP back up, uh, all you have to do is just set them to rest while the rest of the party handles your damage dealing in the battle when it starts. Um, so, so uh, Fiona yeah. day, what are some things that you really loved about this game? Are you on mute, my friend? Oh, no, he dropped off, unfortunately, for a minute. All right, we'll keep talking and uh, get his really goods. Uh, he should be back on in a second. But uh, so, I, yeah, I did mention the rest spell. Um, they actually had that the next game in uh, uh, Dragon Warrior 7. Um, and then they took it out in the remake, I think because they ch- exchanged the uh, random battles for um, uh, where the, the type of map where you see like the monsters on screen. Um, so, yeah, so the, the, I think it would have been... Was that with the... Uh, what is it? The Gosh, what am I trying, I'm trying? I'm thinking of a sheep. The shepherd class? Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. The shepherd class. So, so essentially, um, uh, it would have been too easy if it was... Uh, random if it was not random encounters if you could just like avoid easily avoid running into monsters by walking around them um then the rest spell would have just been overpowered so it makes sense that they that they stripped it out it was just kind of sad to see it go because i i abused that thing so badly in uh, dragon warrior 7 i love those things where you can just uh do stuff like you know urgic's armor where you're just walking around healing in the first mm-hmm. dragon warrior game and unfortunately that that wears off after a while um in the uh in the sequel 
Um, but uh, but yeah, just having having stuff like that where you have that uh, means to instantly recover your uh, HP and MP. That's why I loved camping so much in Drag Quest Eleven. I thought that was uh, I thought that was a fantastic addition where you could just you don't have to pay to stay at an inn anymore. These are just heroes. They're adventurers. They're used to sleeping outside. So, <laughs> I loved uh, Tanya for that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And any any like Erdrich's mom, anyone who lets you stay for free, <laughs> is fantastic. Oh man, you the know old, what song's going through my head right now? The old woodcutter. <laughs> yeah, Erdrich's mom has got it going on. Um, <laughs> The old woodcutter in Dragon Warrior Four. Um, is it? Does Madame Luca in Six? Does she let you sleep for free? She does, and yeah. she gives you free advice in the remakes. Nice. And she's sort of like her her character is sort of in Dragon Quest Your Story. Is it? Cool. Yeah, like oh, that. Not who, just uh... the the image. Yeah, it's like the that little twist where um, the old lady giving him advice or uh, is actually uh, uh, Flora, but it's like in, in under the guise of Madden Luca with like a transform spell. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that was the same type of character design between that mm-hmm. that like old old witch character. Flora. So- Fortune teller Baba, as we called her in DBZ. <laughs> nice. Of course. What, are you saying there's similar designs between games, <laughs> series, universes here? <laughs> okay. all, pretty much all of the guys in 6 look like characters from the Cell arc. I mean, Millie is Android 18, Carver is Android 16, Terry is Android 17. Like, is and the, then the Murdoch is Cell, of course. Don't we so, have the Chrono Trigger hero in here? It was, He's Chrono, right? Is that what's with that? The red hair. He, yeah, Chrono is the is the character with the red hair. Um, so uh, speaking of uh, Chrono, you have a note here. So for getting into the bad in this game, um, well, before we do that, let's let's ask uh, Fiona Day one more time. Anything else that you really loved about this game? Um, the party chat is amazing. Like that was my. That was my biggest regret in doing the Super Nintendo version. Now, Super Nintendo version gives... So the remakes give 25% more gold and experience than they did in the original version, which made the game a bit easier, along with the casino being a lot easier to get gear in. So I did the Super Nintendo so that those playing the remakes, the strategies would still work, even on an easier version of the game. But I missed that party chat, man. It added so (laughs) much. Yes, I I only barely touched the uh, uh, DS version. Um, so I really have to go back so I and, and play that one so that I can experience that because I've played the Super Famicom uh, version almost exclusively. I bought DS and mobile, but I've mostly just played the uh, Super Famicom, so I'm missing out on that on how they may have drawn out the personalities a lot. Mm. And see, yeah, I'll have to, uh, and I've said this before. Um, the party chat is one of those things, just like music, that I, I don't always think about it, like. Like I said, with music, if I turn my game on, it's usually muted. And I, even if there's no one else around, if I'm going to lay on the couch and play, I'll just forget to turn it on for the whole night and just be laying there with not the music. The party chat's the same thing. I always start out, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, oh, what are they going to say to this? You know, what's the Dragon Quest Seven players going to say about the guy who's peeing on the wall outside the castle? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then five minutes later, I forget about it, and it's two days later, and I'm like, oh, I just played another five hours and haven't done the party chat. So yeah. I am really bad with remembering to do party chat. So even though I've played this twice all the way through, 
I can probably tell you I've not even seen 10% of the party chat, which is a shame. And also because Millie is always reminding you of what to do if you forget. She even brags about it in one of the dialogues. She's like, see, I remember everything. <laughs> that, yeah, I guess they had to replace that uh, the memory uh, mechanic that they had in the Super Famicom version somewhere. So like, they did it with party chat exposition. Yep. We'll get to that in a bit. So uh, moving on to the bad. Um, so this this was a game that was a little too non-linear for some players. I can understand that. That's That seems to be a... Um, a big um, point of concern that you you can get lost very easily um, in the game. And I think that they did try to uh, build something in to help you remember stuff like that me- memory mechanic um, in the Super Famicom version that I, that I mentioned. Um, I can't say that it worked all that well. Um, and this is the type of game that I would recommend playing uh, with a guide or uh, with Fiona Day's uh, um, YouTube channel, um, the, the Let's Play, and just really understanding um, the ins and outs of, of where to go next if you get lost. Take notes based on what people say. Like, there's not too many RPGs I can say that that you would have to do that for, but uh, but this is probably one of those uh, one of those games where if you if someone says something that seems like oh that sounds like it should be important for later, jot it down. Um, if you're not playing with a guide. Yeah. And, yeah. But this came up today because, uh, and man, I'm scrolling through the like 100 replies at this point. But uh, earlier today with the Slime Time Twitter account, I put up Dragon Quest Six and, you know, just said, you know, it, it seems like this is one of the ones that gets mentioned as, uh, it's not my favorite and it's a little bit lacking or something, despite the monster recruitment and the job system and all the other stuff. Um, but you know, what, what made this lacking to you? And I would say the number one thing is what you just said, Liam, you know, you're just all over the place. There's not a few directions and there was a quite a few number of people that came to the defense of the game and those people. And, uh, I like this winter melody is like, because people are foolish, you know, (laughs) and there's a couple other people that are, you know, you just need to talk to people. Why haven't, didn't you talk to people? Didn't you, (laughs) didn't you get the hints from the, what is it? Madame Luca? Like she tells you and and the remakes. Yep. Like, yeah, but there's quite a few people coming to its defense with that kind of exactly what you said, you know, sure. It's up there. Some of the other complaints were too much grinding, which I don't really I, have seen. I that. can understand in this one because they had level caps. Yeah. Um, and that that's something um, that's something that I would add to the bed as well, um, because you get you unlock. Uh, let's say act one is up to where you're facing uh, Murdoch for the first time. Um, if you if you count that like the, the first time you face the final boss not 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 the intro but like the first time you face him in the game with your full party um at, at some point after that is when you uh or i think immediately after that is when um the shrine of dharma opens up in the real world or in the in the dream world but in the real world it's destroyed or something like that but um that's the point where you can start to class change. So at this point, you've grinded up so that you could actually fight the first major boss in the game. And now you're already past the level caps in certain areas. So you have to kind of look at a guide to see where the level caps are infinite or 99, where they're, where, uh, so that you can then just go in and job, 
class grind because otherwise if your level's too high and you're in an area you're grinding around you're not gaining any jobs and if you don't know about the caps then you don't know why that's happening mm -hmm. my oh yeah my, I mean... my thing about uh the linearity um i don't think non-linear or linear by themselves are issues um i like dragon quest 3 was pretty non-linear too for example right the Anytime thing you of it is, is that the game changes. Like, the very first part of it is actually very linear. It's very yeah. focused, clear goals, defeat Murdoch. Basically, every single town has at least one person talking about how how horrible he is and where you need to mm -hmm. go next. And then you beat Murdoch, and suddenly it's just go find the prince somewhere. And it's like, <laughs> okay, good luck. <laughs> Like and, it you know, changes. A, I think that's a big thing. I was gonna say pacing issues. Um, I think is kind of, and the people that explained more than just said pacing issues on Twitter. Um, that's what they kind of said. They're like, you know what? There's times where it's very clear cut, and then times where it's not, and then it is, and then it's not. Um, it kind of throws you a little bit. Like you think you know what you're doing, and then the next step you don't. Yeah. So kind of kind of what you said. I I think is where they're they're seeing that. The linear and then not linear. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then what else? What do were we getting any other feedback uh, besides the non-linear body? Uh, so the characters were not seen as very memorable. <laughs> oh, where's the one guy that said it to? I think all was he, he did was, was somebody, he talking. Somebody did they well, mention more versions? There's a few people that talked about the characters. The characters aren't as memorable. Um, story's a bit confusing, not well balanced. That's from uh, Denios in the Sky. But oh, where's our per somebody? He went in more in depth, but at first, like all he did was reply with one word: charm. Because I, I, the way I asked the question is, what's missing or lacking? <laughs> and someone wrote charm. <laughs> okay. Just like, oh. I was like, so like, what about it? And then he's like, well, I could go in more. I'm like, hey, we're recording tonight. So uh, if you got something to say, gosh, there's so many replies and Twitter. It's so hard to figure out what you're talking about. I, I, I liked the character designs. But again, like I, I would have to say that the character personalities are going to jump out depending on which version you play like maybe there's no maybe there's less charm in the super famicom version than there is in the in the ds mobile versions like what what would you think fiona day would you agree with that or um i would probably that yeah like i said like the party chat in the remakes really does add a lot like uh <laughs> like they all have really entertaining quirks the characters like millie is gentle but she has this giant sarcastic streak like Remember when you get thrown out of the castle by Chancellor Keating? Mm -hmm. Like, Millie actually kind of makes fun of the hero for it. She's like, <laughs> all hail fake Prince Rex. Rex, <laughs> oh, don't let it get you down. Let's just keep searching for Osmir. That's bound to offer some clues. <laughs> and then Carver has this apple pie story where someone's talking about bad dreams and he's like, Ed, I know about bad dreams. Once I dreamt that my head had turned into an apple pie. Everyone was trying to eat me and all that came out of my mouth when I screamed was applesauce. So, yeah. <laughs> Have you played him in uh, Dragon Quest Heroes 2? Um, I haven't purchased those games, actually. Oh, okay. Um, <gasps> Oh, shocker. <laughs> I've got to fix that right now if I ever want to appear on this podcast again. That's right. Brother Jaybird has got a lot to tell you about that. Let me tell you. Well, I Go was back just to curious. a few episodes. 
Yeah, episode. that was... <laughs> 16 and 17 you can hear uh, about three hours of dragon quest heroes talk nice um yeah my, my my son was born the year that game came out or like around the time so i didn't i never ended up like really getting into that one as much as i got into the first one um but i remember uh Platy and i were talking recently about carver being in that one and i was just curious like what kind of voice they gave him if they you know, if they gave him a, a nationality and made him like Australian or something or British or anything like that, because um, I know that they were doing that a, a lot. Terry, <laughs> that's Terry, the most arrogant character in all of Dragon Quest, gets the American accent. I noticed. That's because he was like the only American in that voice cast. <laughs> yeah. No, but I was that. Was that like he's? Was that like a political statement about Americans or something? <laughs> Like we're, <laughs> I don't know, but anyway. Well, uh, so you mentioned and bringing up the like Dragon Quest heroes. Um, Dragon Quest Six. Other than Terry, where do these characters ever appear in any other Dragon Quest stuff? Other than Carver and Dragon Quest Heroes Two, you know, Bianca is in like Millie, Millie anything that has monsters as well. Yeah, so because okay, so Millie and Terry. And she is a horribly tough final boss, by the way. Thank you, game, for not letting me choose my actions. <laughs> She's probably hard to cosplay as well, because she has those little, like, the stream parts of her costume. They're like little streamer things, but they always seem to be, like, static and not moving. Mm -hmm. that, that was an interesting perler bead to make. She's gigantically wide compared to everybody else because of those streams that are flowing around. <laughs> but uh, um, all right, so uninspiring um, party chat. Do you yeah. have any other any other comments from the Twitter feed you want to mention? Uh, you know, I was yeah, just I mean, a lot of people like it. Oh, one of the other big things that came out, and a bunch of people said this is it came out after Dragon Quest Five. Yeah, yeah, no, that. And, and that as you makes and I sense. were talking, they they followed the Beatles. How the yeah, hell are you gonna... yeah, it's like following the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, no. like, it was, there were a lot of things, and we will go into this because I do want to mention um, the Dragon Quest firsts list that we mm -hmm. have for this one. Um, but uh, it, it did do a lot of things better than five did, um, mechanically, graphically. Uh, it was an improvement there, but just an overall. Oh, you um, got more party members back again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The first, the first Dragon Quest V for Super Famicom only had three party members, reducing uh, from a four-party system that had been there for two games. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it probably could have done that. It, that. That was the other thing that I, my bone to pick with the original version of Five was that you get all these monster characters plus all the human characters, and you only get three party slots. So. Oh yeah, yeah. You had more choices in that game than yeah. any other game in the entire series, and yeah. it's the one that limits you the most. Yeah, right. But I oh, think when we're go. talking okay. definitive edition for that game, I think you got to go with like the remakes on that one. Oh, yeah. Even though they did buff some of the bosses a little too much, like for example, did you know that Laja only had one attack in the Super Nintendo version, and then like two in the remakes? Really? Yeah, like when you fight him at the that tower with the dragon staff and he's like this really hard boss right because he has frizzle which does almost your your child's entire hp bar and damage as it should yeah that's because he was only supposed to attack once in the super nintendo version remakes they made him attack twice because i guess you have four party members now mm-hmm 
they did a really good job with that character in the movie. Like, say what you will about the movie and the ending and everything, but like in Dragon Quest, your story, I thought Laja was really. I, uh, if you watch the Japanese version, like the the voice acting in it is is pretty excellent, and I just like that whole design with his hands that separate from his body and everything. I thought it was really cool. Um, but, so I found our Twitter person here, Eric Silver okay. at, at the One Up Beat. He, uh, he he replied with the one word charm lacking charm um and he's like it was hard to get into this in twitter but he said he thought it was uh the game had a little bit too much darkness and focus on the evil forces um to it he said there was a big emphasis on the bad guys and not as much so much on the good guys then he goes on to say it was hard to explain but that's kind of the gist of it just this whole theme of darkness with the game okay it had a lot of boss like boss characters in it um if you think about like not just uh murdaugh but like jamiras and Mm -hmm. oh these are ones that repeat throughout the series too yeah i feel the bosses repeat more throughout the series than even the uh heroes you know, I actually want to touch on that darkness theme a little bit. That's actually kind of where some of the other non-linearity can cause problems. Because, like, you know how you have that one maid in Port Haven where, uh, where like, the mayor thinks she poisoned the dog and then sells her into slavery? And then Johan goes out to save her and you don't hear from them ever again. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> well, it turns out that plot actually gets resolved. If you go back to that town after you beat Murda and check the house, Johan got her back. Like, he, like, grinded out those levels <laughs> and just, like, rained holy terror down on, like, the slavers and got Ella back. And there's even a scene where you can walk in on them, like, making out, and they're all embarrassed about it. <laughs> Not making that up, by the way. That's actually in the game. Everyone is now <laughs> pausing the podcast to go <laughs> watch these two characters make out. Well, I, what's the darkness with Terry and his sister? There's something with her, right? I'm bad at remembering the little subplots about... And, wasn't she sold or something as a child? Or Well, she was captured yeah. by the monsters and forced to... Uh, I mean, she just essentially did the same thing uh, that they did with uh, Terry, right? Um, he, well, Terry... So... Basically, Millie was this really beautiful girl, and the old couple needed money or something, so they sold her off, and then Terry got mad about it and tried to tried to rescue her and was beaten to within an inch of his life for his efforts, but he got away and just lived as, like, an orphan. Mm-hmm. And I'm t- he- sorry, I was talking about the monsters plot. Oh, this, okay, goes okay. In, this goes into the... All right, so this goes into the post-monsters, like, Dragon Quest Six. I see what you're doing. Okay, never mind. So, but yeah, it was well, a, it's a dark, it's a dark kind of story there. This isn't, Terry grew up in a happy home and became really strong. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting. There's a reason he's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> it's always, it, it, Terry's character is very, very interesting in this game because you, you get him, but you get him very late. So mm-hmm. By the time you get him, if you've been doing job class grinding, um, he's not that powerful. And then you have to start over with his job class grinding kind of late in the game. So uh, he should probably be more powerful when you get him, in my opinion. I don't know if they uh, tweaked that in the DS uh, or mobile versions. They tweaked that twice, actually. 
DS version, they just gave him five levels, but didn't change anything else. So he just got five really bad level ups because his levels are terrible. Um, And then in the iOS version, they leveled him to level 33, but they gave him complete mastery over all the four basic tier one classes. So mastered warrior, mastered martial artist, mastered mage and mastered priest so he can just go into any class you want him to like boom from armamentalist and he actually is pretty good in the ios version i did use him there i did not use him at all in the super famicom game back in the day um i remember beating that before i played dragon quest monsters and at that point now i love terry heck my kids know that because two years ago I played through the whole uh, 3DS Terry's Wonderland on the computer so they could gather around me and very largely see on the computer screen as I played it so they know who Terry is and they've played him on uh, Dragon Quest Heroes. Yeah, he's he's but... a monster. He's absolute boss and heroes when it comes to any of the metal monsters. Mm-hmm. When I, or sorry, not not specifically metal monsters. Oh. The um, uh, any of the robot monsters, like the oh, monsters, yeah, the, the killing hunger, machines, and... killing machines. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because mm-hmm. he just has this lightning slash that just completely um, incapacitates them. You know, I forgot something to talk about when we were talking about the good, because there is something that's like the best in this game. You get to float around on a frickin' bed. <laughs> yeah, there's a, I mentioned it earlier. There's a lot of uh, different means of conveyance. You've got uh, mm-hmm. the flying bed in the dream world. You've got the magic carpet, which I think is in both worlds. Um, and then you've got Pegasus, which is so like the bed. The bed doesn't fly over mountains, but it flies over hills. The carpet, doesn't that fly over everything? Or Pegasus flies over everything? It's the Pegasus. Yeah. So then the carpet is just the real world version of the bed. Basically. Yeah, yeah. And you have to go through the series' worst mini game in order to get it, unfortunately. I don't it's barely remember. Barely even a mini game. The only What's... way it counts is because you can technically lose. What is it? I don't remember. The best dressed contest. Oh, yeah. oh That's right. yes. That's right. The fashion. There's like an actual fashion metric in the game. They where... invented a whole new stat for it. Yeah, too. there's this. Uh huh. <laughs> And those well, this one it, the game. beautiful beauty Bettys or whatever was the item that you could boost the stat with in the remakes. Exactly. Just for this one game where you press A a bunch of times, you press <laughs> down and then up for a little bit, and then wade through all the text seven <laughs> times in a row. What happens if you lose that contest? You just don't get the the flying carpet? Yep. So but you can do it over and over again until you win? Yes, you can. Okay, although there's that. Um, <laughs> yeah, imagine repeatedly grinding to get one stat on a character high enough right. in one thing. Imagine how much once. people would hate this game if like, you only get one shot at that. And you can't, sorry, you can't get the magic carpet and progress to the end. The end. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, man. So uh, let's get to the ugly then. Um, I mean, we mentioned it before, but the um, having to pay attention to the area-based level caps. Um, the, a game that's uh, so nonlinear that you can just not you can just get lost. I understand that. Um, the DS and mobile version features a tinging noise in the walking theme music that can be distracting. This was mentioned in Puff Puff Hour uh, a while back. It's hard to describe, but there's something strangely more satisfying we mentioned uh, to listen to the OST uh, for the Super Famicom version over the DS mobile remake. Indeed. It's the, the dreamy themes better and really unique sound chip. Yeah. 
And this is also one of those uh, soundtracks that I can really recommend on piano as well. There's a piano version that's uh, pretty excellent in addition to the uh, the orchestral versions. Um, okay, so one of the things I wanted to mention, um, uh, what, I, what I really want for people to come out listening to this podcast is really just understand uh, what this game originally brought to the series back in 1995 when it was first released. Um, so let me just ex- uh, briefly explain the concept of DQ Firsts. So this started out as a list that Ignatia7 and I started putting together on uh, GameFAQs back in 2014 when we used to post a lot on the DQ9 forums. Um, so basically, if you trace the history of the Dragon Quest series, you can look at when the game advanced in some feature or mechanic. For example, Dragon Quest Two was the first in the series to feature multiple party members. Dragon Quest Three was the first in the series to feature class changing. So there's actually quite a few DQ firsts for the, that uh, Dragon Quest Six accomplished that I don't think uh, a lot of that most players tend to gloss over, most likely because it's either not highly regarded as as uh, among the series. Um, or that most Western players have only ever played the remake. Um, so here's a series of firsts that Dragon Quest VI brought to the series. Um, the first, uh, it was the first game to feature animated monsters attacking in battle. Uh, most subsequent releases in the main series adopt this feature, including Dragon Quest III Super Famicom re-release, which was uh, released on the same game engine a year after Dragon Quest VI. Um, first Dragon Quest game to... Uh, I, now... Fiona Day, we talked about this. Is this pausing the the walking theme during battle, or is it, it playing does. on it? Is it playing it on mute and then un, unmuting it after the battle's over? Um, never remember which it is, but because you get distracted listening to the battle theme, and then you go back and try to remember where it was when it. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> yeah, which um, is also that theme. That battle theme is also really intense on piano as well in the piano soundtrack. So, um. Yeah, it actually remembers where the song was before the battle happened. Okay, so it's paused back to that point. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great because in in a lot of the even in some of the remakes where they try to add some of the longer intros, um, if you're walking around and there are random battles happening, you're not hearing all of that music. It's just restarting from the intro. Um, so in this case, you get that sense that. Um, it's just a continual song that just gets paused when the battle starts and then unpaused again. I kind of like that feature a lot. Indeed. Um, it was the first Dragon Quest game to show the speed of movement differences where characters walk faster in towns, castles, towers, and caves, and then slower on the world map, giving the illusion of distance. Yeah, that was all really cool. It was the first uh, Dragon Quest game to be developed by Heartbeat, who went on to use the same game engine to give us Dragon Quest III for Super Famicom, which I would argue is still the best version of that game because it has the animated monsters and the Pajizi tracks, which are missing from uh, um, from each uh, remake after uh, the uh, Game Boy Color version. Woo-woo, Pajizi tracks. Let me tell you, I I think I might have known it, but like it, it was in the back of my head. Um, I'm working on a huge feature on Dragon Quest for RP Gamer and trying to like summarize the entire breadth of the entire Dragon Quest series, every game ever that came out, um, at least in the West. And I was looking up um, about Fortune Street and everything, and I kind of knew that obviously it started with Dragon Quest or it was a Dragon Quest property, but I didn't know it was based on the Pachisi tracks. I didn't know that until you mention it now, but <laughs> but it makes yep. a lot of sense. 
Because like, essentially it, it, it is that. It's a board game. It's a it's a Parcheesi game. Yep. So I, I read through the history of it today. I found an article from GameSpot when it came out over here. But I guess it got a lot of attention when it was put into um, the Super Famicom version in Japan. And Yuji Horii sat down and started a whole size series. And there was like four or five of the, was it Itadaki Street? Is, that's what yeah. it's called over there. Yeah, it, yeah. There was about four or five of them that were released just with, you know, gen- I, I won't say generic, but non-Dragon Quest characters and whatever before they hit the DS and were like, hey, or the PS2, and were like, maybe we should take this little side series that Yuji Hori made, this board game series, and use our own characters for it. And uh, I, I, w- I was kind of blown away by that. I was like, oh. I didn't realize this was a game like he kind of invented hmm. based it, on... Which is basically just a board game that he just stuck yeah. into Dragon Quest Three and the remake. <laughs> yep, and um, it became its whole series, basically. Yeah. There's quite a few of them. I did not know that, but there was quite a few of them out there. So getting back to Dragon Quest Six first, it was the first game to feature advanced job class tiers that would appear in future games like Superstar or Luminary Class in Dragon Quest Nine, uh, Ranger, Paladin, Magic Knight, or Arm- Armamentalist. And Battlemaster or Gladiator. Well, um, I mean, technically, those job titles appeared in, say, the remakes of the older games. Like, the Prince of Canock is an armamentalist, apparently. Is he really? Yeah, um, but that would be in the remake that happened after after six. Or did that did that remake come out before six? No, no, the remakes for the I for the portable. For the iOS versions, oh, came for out iOS after. Like, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. But, you know, chronologically, been. you know. It's the second game in the series, even though it's yeah. But I would, I, I mean, this this list is really about like when it, we're we're talking about the Super Famicom version in 1995. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, but, Christo was my original Paladin, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was the first to feature job levels apart from character levels or level-based caps, um, where you can advance in job classes in specific areas in the game if your level is too high. Um, but yeah, so they they did uh, repeat that in seven, and then they switched it back to a more Dragon Quest three style in nine. Um, it was the first Dragon Quest game to feature skill system um, or abilities, uh, which means your characters can now learn special attacks beyond their normal attack, um, which really just opened up a, a huge range of possibilities. Um, and this system this shows up in future releases, including. Um, the ability system in Dragon Quest IX, uh, which was one of the main features of uh, battle in that game. Uh, it was the first Dragon Quest game to feature the bottomless inventory bag. So you're welcome, Dragon Quest fans. Uh, that's that's one of the best things ever, um, just having that bottomless Harry Potter inventory bag where you can just uh, drop all your stuff uh, in there and just ha- essentially have a vault on you at all times. Um, uh, first Dragon Quest game to feature a memory system. We talked about this earlier via the remember and forget ability uh, to remember things that past NPC characters have said. Um, I believe this also might be in Dragon Quest 3's remake for Super Famicom that was built on the same game engine. Um, you basically hit one button after you talk to an NPC and they cast remember. Um, and and then it'll just you can play back uh, remembered quotes. Um, and you can also choose the forget spell um, to clear out some of those older quotes that you might not need. Um, people must not have liked this mechanic in Japan because it didn't make it into the DS remake, but it's always intrigued me that it exists. I think it probably just got replaced with party chat. 
Mm. Um, uh, first Dragon Quest game to feature the Thief class. Uh, Thief wasn't added to Dragon Quest Three until the Super Famicom remake, which came out a year after Dragon Quest Six. Um, and if any listeners uh, find any Dragon Quest first that we missed, uh, hit us up on the comments or Twitter, um, and let's get a conversation going about them. Um, do you guys have any other firsts that you can think of offhand? Hmm. This is the game that got me to go on to the Dragon Den, Dragon's Den. So th- this, after beating this, I was like, well, that's it. That's all the Dragon Quests out there. I've done them all. <laughs> it was the first game that I had nothing else to look forward to. And so I had been on uh, Woodus.com for, you know, looking up resources for this game and whatever previously. But that's when I finally bit the bullet, made a account, and, you know, 24,000 posts later, here I am. It's nice. Remind me, was this the first to have an optional ending? An um, alternate ending? Oh, alternate ending. Probably, yeah. 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 So there's Probably. that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like a, an alternate ending that essentially changes the original ending. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because when you beat the super boss, he goes back and stomps. Yeah, yeah. If we're right? if we're yeah. gonna if we're gonna spoil it, yeah, basically. Just... Uh, is there any is there any time where we don't just spoil the hell out of stuff? <laughs> Fiona Day already spoiled who the final boss of uh, Dragon Quest Monsters is. Did he? I don't oh remember. no, I did, didn't oh, I? Oh yeah. Well, come on. <laughs> 1998. I think you've had time to catch up on that one. Oh, and this okay. one's 95, so that's even older. Let's go. Yeah, there we okay. go. Okay. Moving right along. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Mary Thwack Puff Puff, are you ready, Fiona Day, for this one? Do you know that? Do you know what this game is? Have you, if you've, if you've uh, listened to, um, you know, if you're familiar with the with the game that we we play um, on occasion um, and tweet about, uh, this is essentially that kind of uh, murder fuck kill. Um, no, marry, 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 fuck, kill. Yeah, you can't have kill twice. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you put kill in there twice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Who would you kill twice, and who would you marry? Uh, so, uh, so who who would you marry? Who would you thwack or or uh, or cast beat on? And uh, and who would you uh, puff puff? And here's your choices here. Uh, uh, we've got Barbara or Ashlyn, Millie and Madame Luca. Uh... Um, well, I guess I'd marry Millie. I mean, I like her a lot. Um, Thwack, what does Thwack mean again? Thwack is essentially kill. Let's let's assume that it actually connects. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I guess Madame Luca. Um, you Thwack the old lady? Yeah, um, (laughs) she's had a good long life. How does that live, maybe? I guess, yeah, I guess the alternative would be to Puff Puff Madame Luca. Yeah, and I add the Puff Puff, gee, I don't know. Like, apparently when males do it, it causes damage, so I don't, <laughs> I guess Madame Luca in order to do the thwack. Is that, is Puff Puff an ability in this game? I don't remember. It is. is like, it? Well, nice. I like, guess if Carver tried to do it, it would definitely <laughs> cause damage. Yeah, like, like females, um, it does what you think it does. But if you if males tried to do it, it it goes off the same element as like knuckle sandwich, just okay. does a lot less damage. Cool, Platty, well, what do you think? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with y- y- what he said. You know, Mary, Millie, Thwack, Madam Luca, um, Puff Puff. We've always left it up to interpretation. Are you giving the Puff Puff or are you getting the Puff Puff? So I'll I'll take a Puff Puff from Barbara. <laughs> we we don't I, really have a lot of hard and fast rules on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I I would probably I would marry 
uh, I would marry Barbara or Ashlyn um, just because the romantic in me is saying like that's that that is literally the hero's dream girl. But I'm bump. <laughs> she's a she's not she doesn't have a corporeal form. She's only an existent dream, and she they do kind of like give you the uh, they give you hints that that she's interested in in the hero um, in this one. So I always thought that was kind of uh, um, that is interesting. And and um, Fiona, do you wanted to mention that that the kind of sad ending with the, with her with the, with the Ashlyn character? Well, kind of sort of sad ending, but like it could be either depending on how you want to interpret it it but it's made really clear especially in the Super Nintendo version that there's like lots of ways for them to get together. Mm. Cuz like when she disappears, the problem she mentions was that she didn't have a body to go back to and then she just sort of poofs out of existence but then the castle rises and in the super nintendo you can even see that it's rising right over some locations you already visited with a shadow and everything and peggy sue goes there and there she is all right as rain and everything like that so i mean even if she's somehow not allowed to leave zenithia rex can just go visit her whenever he wants. Um, and also, apparently, she has a connection with the mysterious dragon if she isn't all right, outright is one. Now, this is this is in the remakes, though, right? Like, the, this was kind of retconned in there, or was this in the original Super Famicom as well? Because we were talking about this before, uh, um, during the sound check. It was, well, it was something that was considered for the original game, but ultimately left out of final product because i guess time and space constraints but like the reason she stays on the ship is she doesn't know why but it's so she can be summoned as a dragon when millie plays the ocarina which by the way never comes up again for some reason. <laughs> yeah. um and and there's a sorcerian in sorceria that says like sorcerians can split their spirits from their bodies and the really strong ones can turn into animals with their spirits and the strongest of them all like say yo heir to the eldress herself can turn into dragons and plus there's the fact that she's not on the box art anywhere it's rex carver millie and the dragon this very girly looking dragon, even though she's apparently so important, you can't remove her from your party. <laughs> and in the remakes, um, you can actually fly the dragon again in the Super Nintendo version. Well, in all the versions, but Super Nintendo version, you can ride the dragon again, even if she's in the party. But in the remakes, the dragon will not show up if Ashlyn is in your party. Oh, that's really interesting. I hope so. I know yeah. I talk really fast. No, so no, I, th I think that I, I think that's a really cool twist that I never had never heard before until you mentioned it earlier. Um, yeah. yeah, that's really cool. It, it makes me appreciate her character more. Um, yeah. Because she is, uh, she is one of the standout characters for me. She knows magic burst from the start. Um, I know she's not defensively all that great, um, but I was, I was mentioning when I, whenever I start that um, Nocturnus fight, I always just put her in, magic burst the hell out of him, and then just swap her out immediately so that he can't damage her, but he's just, he just gets a ton of damage to the beginning of the battle. Now me, I just turn Carver into a metal babble slime and just use forbearance on most things. Turns out immunity to most attacks works really well with a <laughs> move that covers the whole party. I never tried that. I will, I will definitely have to try that one. 
Uh, it sounds similar to um, the uh, Paladin Nightwatch forbearance from Dragon Quest IX. Um, I was just thinking of that because when Liam, we the one time we met um, with your friends doing, and we played Dragon Quest IX, that was the only class that I had leveled up to 99. So when we did uh, a couple of the, uh, le- was it Legacy Boss Battles? Yeah. That was my job. Get in there, be the paladin, cast that at certain times. Yeah, so that, that's, that's definitely saved us more times than I can remember in fights, especially with Nocturnus, where like the RNG could go either way. At not, 99 Nocturnus, that's just one of the ridicul- most ridiculously hard battles I've ever fought and actually sometimes won. Yeah, that's one of those battles where you really need to know how he operates. In fact, yeah. it's one of the first times I ever realized that there was a pattern in, to the Dragon Quest boss games where I just used the sands of time to rewind it infinitely. And that's when I first noticed, hey, it seems like there's a similar sequence of moves sometimes. I wonder if there's something to that. And sure enough, there was. There's even a whole bestiary about it. Uh, Gilder's, yeah. I think that's on the Woodus, Gilder's Monster Guide? Maybe. That's Gilder's Big Book of Beasts. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely remember that that kind of attack pattern where you would, ma- he would, uh, I think he casts Magic Burst and he can attack, I think, up to three times at level 99. Um, so he, he would use that Magic Burst and then immediately uh, just re-up his magic power to, to um, and his attack power would, would jack up as well. Um, so yeah, he was definitely one of those one of those bosses you all needed to uh, defending champion against or, or abuse the Night Watch system for. Yeah. I think there was one time uh, when Cyrus from the Dragon Quest uh, group, uh, when he was joining for the first time, me and uh, and um, Androva from that from from the group were were explaining how hard Nocturnus was, and then we accidentally went into the fight without a healer. <laughs> like we went in with like oh three gladiators and a paladin. <laughs> And we somehow <laughs> jar jarred our way. We jar jar brings our way into into uh, um, generating the night watch enough times where we actually did beat him without without a healer. I and mean, jar jar Binks is a Sith Lord, so. There you go. (laughs) There you go. Um, I did want to mention this, that uh, the Quest of the Stars uh, event for Dragon Quest VI is on through um, the 7th, uh, so through Monday um, this month in in September. Um, They actually do have, I've been playing some of it, they they do have the opening scene where you're at the campfire and you actually go with uh with carver and millie and then you uh she does the same thing where she throws the ocarina up in the air and, and then catches it which i think is really irresponsible she could have dropped it could have fallen off the mountain then you can't summon the dragon but anyway uh they do the whole thing and it's they got that the scene dragon... from chrono trigger in there yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> which which uh chrono trigger predates six right it, it came out the same year but and i looked this up actually because of that joke um in Japan, it came out, I think, February, March, and 6 came out in December. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, actually, shout out a little bit to uh, Austin and BJ. They were talking about this. They did a Chrono Trigger episode a few weeks back, and they were mis- mentioning all the similarities between the games because Yuji Hori helped with some of the game design of oh, okay. uh, Chrono Trigger. Yeah, so it features that festival in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's the festival with uh in the beginning of Dragon Quest Six you got to go to. Yeah. So they were they were mentioning a couple like 
you know, was he just like spewing out ideas to two different development teams at the same time? Like, mm. hey, we need an idea. Hmm. Which one did I tell what? Oh, well, I'll just tell them both the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Start with a festival. Spiky yeah. hair. Toriyama. Hey, draw this guy with spiky hair. <laughs> Cell looking final boss with green skins and black dots. Yeah. <laughs> well, I also I, I also mean, thought if, if you ever watched the Dragon Quest Abel anime, the character, like the mini boss character, more who's like Baramos's right hand or the the anime version of Baramos. Mm-hmm. He sort of when when Mudo came out came uh-huh. around as a boss. I at first time I saw that I was like, oh my god, he looks so much like the Moore character. Like so, it, it almost just looks like a redesign of the Moore character with like horns. And I've watched the first four or five episodes recently, and not knowing contextually when that was done compared, I just thought it was like, oh, that's Mudo. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's Mudo in a floating bubble. Um, I mean, I'm so I'm so used to the monsters games where, what the heck, you know, I've had everybody in my party at one point. So, you know, they, they just appear all over the place. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I did want to mention that that Quest of the Stars has the Dragon Quest Six event and that there's a lot of that kind of uh, um, game intro and, and cameos and overlap and stuff like that uh, to Dragon Quest Six. So definitely check that out. So is there anything... Uh we haven't dug into uh fiona day what made you want to do dragon quest 6 as your big 100 percent walkthrough why, why that one um well it was the game that i liked the most um and like i figured it was also my very first walkthrough like you can tell because i even switched co-commentators like three episodes into it and i wanted mm-hmm. my very first like big serious one to be one that i really loved like one that i even wrote a guide for on strategy wiki and like i wanted to talk about all those little things that that people would miss on their first time through, like the fixed attack patterns, the party chat, what I thought about Millie's backstory, um, and all that. And there's just a lot of little things to it that aren't immediately obvious, like they are in the other titles that I just really wanted to share. And plus, it's generally regarded as one of the harder games. But I show many different ways of, of like, like, if you really want to, you can beat that game with almost no grinding at all. And most people don't know that. And I wanted to show them how it could be done. So it was kind of cool in that way. Nice. I'm watching one of your ones right now, part 10. It looks like Amos is in your first party member. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's one of the better ones, actually. See? See? Yeah. He starts out with more bulk than Carver with how low my levels are, because... Guys, I beat Murdoch at like level 13. Like, like that's really low, and I beat him without casino gear. <laughs> so I'm trying to think if there's anything else about this game that I remember. So can you rename the stack in this game? Yeah, yeah, actually you can. I remember seeing a couple of funny screenshots for the Super Famicom version where people said, like renamed it ass or something like that you're like it's it's like uh carver places places the weapon in your ass or something like that (laughs) it's also the one where the merchants will be like there's always more room in your ass (laughs) (laughs) i want to see that you're like do you want to equip this item now and he's like no okay well i'll put it in your ass there's always more room in your ass (laughs) because i am definitely someone who did that renamed that Yes. I couldn't remember which DQ game it was. It was either five or six. I remember, I but I think it was this one. And then I, you might have been able to do it in the third 
uh, in the third game Super Famicom remake. Because I know you could rename... Uh, I think you could rename at the Shrine of Dharma yep, in, uh, I, in both games. This is definitely... I played this right around when the GBA... Um, <laughs> There's always more room in your ass. <laughs> that reminds me of one of my favorite jokes. Um, it, accidental jokes where I ask guys, they're like, our whole party just went into that bed. How do they oh, yeah. do it? Yeah, no, I, I, I've been thinking about that a lot in uh, Dragon Warrior 3 because I'm playing through that with my son. And Erdrick's mom is always like, oh, yeah, your friends should stay too. And I'm like, where? <laughs> are they all cramming into one bed or are you just... you're?" The hero sleeps in the bed and the friends just like chill on the floor. <laughs> you got that issue in Dragon Quest 7 too with your parents in the house in Fishbell. Yeah, yeah. That house is pretty small too. <laughs> Where are all these people <laughs> staying? Oh, but you they're, know, they're, they're, all, like, they're all sleeping in the bag. <laughs> no, no, there's no, more room in the bag. It's like a Harry Potter tent in there. You go inside, it's, it's, a, it's a TARDIS, There's it's larger on the inside. <laughs> Actually, Final Fantasy VII had a gag about that in a in a in one of their cut scenes, where like they witness, like you guys know, who Cloud is right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Cloud, Barrett, and Tifa walk into each other as normal and walk off with only Cloud, and then some NPCs look at them. They look at each other, and then they walk into each other and bump into each other, and like, <laughs> ow! How do they do it? <laughs> shame it was cut did you see uh there was a there was a game glitch that somebody on reddit discovered recently where after battle the hero will continue to have his sword drawn but it'll be like piercing him so <laughs> so he's drawn he has his sword drawn after the battle but it's like stabbing himself with it <laughs> there's a there's a couple of really funny screenshots i tweeted it out the other day um where it's just like the, the <laughs> The hero's got it stabbed through his own chest while uh, while Serena is there, like, crying. <laughs> it's just, like, perfectly positioned. And then there's another one where he's got the uh, the giant... Um, uh, the giant uh, dark sword, and it's, sta- it's stabbed through his own face. <laughs> it's like coming out the back of his head. You gotta link me that stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely... I, I tweeted it out the other day. It's it's pretty funny. Uh, okay. But it, uh, yeah, user discovered it on Reddit. I re- you know what? I, I feel like I remember that from years ago when it first came out. Like, people with the PS4 share button were, what the heck is this? <laughs> it's probably even easier now with the Switch to just click that and have it uploaded in a few minutes yeah freddie freaker was the uh the the uh redditor that that uh, discovered it nice yeah he's got a couple if you go to if you go to the dragon quest reddit he's got a couple of screenshots in there uh they're all pretty funny but uh getting back to uh were there any bugs or or anything in dragon quest 6 that were particularly funny um let me think there was the parry there's sort of this glitch with the uh with the equip command where if you enter the equip menu it recalculates your defense so if you had a lot of buffs up it would get rid of them but if you had a lot of saps on it would also get rid of those so it was minorly helpful for bosses like say the third trial which cast Kasap on you every round that was that really was, good. that was if you go to the item menu in battle no if you go to the equip command Oh, okay. Wait, all you have to do is press on it. You don't need to do anything else. Just press equip, then back out, and there you go. Huh. That's convenient. Indeed. All right. 
Yeah, um, I mean, everything else I remember was just because of the translation. There was, you know, it never got a complete fan translation, did it? I don't think so. The there was Super no, Famicom. no progress it's, version was the one that I remember playing. Mm-hmm. And it, it, um, at some point it craps out in terms of like there's a one there's a whole town that isn't done. Well, there's one town where like the character says like, well, that's the end of the translation, which really <laughs> takes really takes you out of the game. But then yeah. it's weird because it, it continues for like 70 percent more of the game after that guy says that. So I think that was like something they built in when they hit a stopping point and then they were going to go back later and they, they just forgot to take it out. Oh. That was one of my favorite gags right there. Like, Skyzo's reaction was hilarious. You have that in your videos? Yeah, we do. <laughs> nice. <laughs> now, if I'm not mistaken, was that a town that you, you know, you, you drop into the other world or, and you really didn't have a need to go there? I, I think, mean, no, that town you get the boat in or something, or? No, it's where you get the sword. Turnscoat. Oh, okay. okay. So it's a town you have to go through with dialogue <laughs> you have to get in order to get the sword. Speaking of which, that actually has an interesting moment. Did you know in the Super Nintendo version, if you lose to Duran, he takes your legendary equipment away from you? <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, I don't think I've ever I've ever done that before, but <laughs> Well, hey, this was Super Nintendo era. Like, yeah, uh, that's harsh. And oh, you can't well, get it back. Like, well, I mean, you can get it back, but you, you have to them. beat them first. Yeah. Oh, why am I blanket on the name of the game? Not Paladin's Quest. Square Enix had a seventh saga. That's it. Seventh saga for uh, Square Enix published it. It wasn't anything, or not Square Enix, Enix published it back in the Super Nintendo days. And Back before they became squares. Yeah. <laughs> I see. But... They had a mechanic where there was, I think there were seven heroes, and you, you played as two of them throughout the game, but you'd encounter the other five throughout the game, and your goal going through the game was to get these seven orbs, and the orbs were insanely useful. Like, if you got, I, I can't remember which color did what, but if you got the blue one, basically it was a free heal spell that you could use every round forever in battle. And if you got another one, it was like a free double your attack spell. So you had all these orbs that you'd be collecting throughout the game. There was a point, and but if you encountered one of the other characters uh, randomly in towns, they'd be interspaced through towns throughout the world, and if they beat you, they would take all those orbs away. <laughs> and then you had to fight that guy without the use of all your free spells. Right, to get it back, right? To get it back, and yeah, yeah they nerfed the... or They didn't nerf, they buffed the difficulty for the north american release so it's like famously known as like one of those ridiculously hard games and i remember that was part of it because crap if i made the mistake of talking to one of those guys and i don't know why i ever did but i have a feeling that there was a reason you had to talk to them or something but they would just attack you and you you made that loss and you saved the game well too bad you're gonna have one hell of a time getting that stuff back <laughs> see that one um there was sort of the your level ups were supposed to increase in quality once you hit level 10, then increase again once you hit level 20. So you get like 8 HP per level up for levels 1 to 9, and then 9 HP for 10 to 19, and etc. They took mm -hmm. that out of the game, but forgot to do the same for the apprentices. Ah, so I think that's what you ran into. Mm -hmm. So on the plus side, it also meant really powerful partners if you could get them to join you. 
I think that was the thing. Like, you'd be going through and you're like, oh, maybe I want this guy instead right now as an yeah. apprentice. And so that's why you would talk to them. But be better aware. save your game. Yeah. <laughs> and they also buffed some of the monsters, too. Like, you know those Joker-looking guys called the uh, Sages with the Firebirds and all that? That sounds familiar, because I've looked this up recently for some other reason. Um, those guys had, like, 50, 60 magic in the Japanese version and 110 in the localization so they just do obscene amounts of damage. And I mean obscene. Jeez. Well, if we're talking about Seventh Saga and that difficulty spike, then uh, <laughs> I think we might have come to the end of our Dragon Quest VI episode tonight. Is there anything else anybody wants to talk about Dragon Quest VI? Eh, nothing in particular. Actually, I think I need to be headed out soon. Sorry All about right. that. No, no problem. So uh, we'll wrap it up. That's the it for this episode of Slime Time. We do want to thank our friend Fiona Day Quest for joining us here to talk about um, Dragon Quest VI. My thanks. pleasure. Thanks Give so much, Fiona Day. Uh, you can check out his Dragon Quest VI Let's Plays on YouTube. Yeah, you might have noticed that the only time we mention Patreon in our episodes is when we say we don't use Patreon. Uh, we're just longtime fans that want to speak about the game series we know and love so much. So if you have any money that you'd like to donate, consider sliding on over to the Dragon's Den at www.wudis.com den. Click on support this site. Wudis has owned and maintained uh, the Dragon's Den DQ fan site for over 20 years. I'm sure he'd appreciate any donation. Or um, if you don't want to do that directly, you can use his Amazon on affiliate links um by dragon quest 11s um any of the 3ds titles whatever he's got a ton of different affiliate links to amazon dragon quest stuff there and a small fraction of the sale will go to help support the den and if you're an advertiser and you're looking for great podcasts to spend lots of ad revenue on, reach out to us at slimetimepodcast at gmail.com. If you have any comments or questions for us, you can find us on Twitter at platym 3 or at Riamu Celestrian or hit us up both simultaneously at DQ Slime Time. Consider joining in tons of DQ discussions at the Dragon's Den forums, one of the few remaining uh, forums still around. You can find it from the Dragon's Den main page or just go directly to www.wudis.com slash forums um i'm there crazily posting all the time uh, i got myself a new non-pokemon game today um i'll be posting about that i'm sure nexomon and sure there's always people talking about lots of other stuff especially we're uh, to date this title exactly uh the nintendo direct dropped today about uh all the Mario stuff coming out this year and next year. So uh, lots of people talking about that. And something like seven or eight Dragon Quest games that we may or may not see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so, to everybody that uh, made this possible, like Brian, a.k.a. Woodis, for his support of the series and this podcast and keeping the Dragon's Den's lights on for decades. Thanks to, the, to Amanda Lepree and the Descendants of Verdrick for allowing us to use their music for our podcast. Descendants of Verdrick is a video game tribute band from Austin, Texas. Check them in their most recent album, Advent, out at www.descendantsofverdrick.com uh, or on Twitter at D of Erdrick. And uh, check out Amanda Lepree on Twitch. Our thanks, of course, always to Dwayne Bullock, our wonderful graphic artist, uh, Dragon Quest fan, for making the awesome artwork cover for the podcast. Dwayne was on the original iteration of uh, Slime Time Podcast. And if uh, our secret episode ever gets to go out, he's on that one, too. So maybe you'll hear him soon. 
You can check out more of his work at Dwayne Art on Instagram or on his website at DwayneBullockArt.BigCartel.com. And if you're looking out for more Dragon Quest Slime Time, check out our earlier episodes on Dragon's Den, Anchor FM, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and more. Bye, everybody. Dragon Quest Bye. Slime. Dragon Quest Slime Time. Slime me off. <laughs>